Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 121. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio today, we have another guest, Evan Rash. Thanks, Kip. Happy to be here. And it's good to have you. So we're going to be talking about how playing and the idea of playing in general is stigmatized as we grow older. Children seem to be allowed to play in our culture, but adults are very much judged and criticized if they're seen as playing. So I'm curious to know where you'd like to begin this conversation. I think what's interesting for me is what constitutes playing. For me personally, I was a very imaginative kid. You know, I had an older brother, two and a half years older than me, and we would always, you know, play with toys and make up stories and kind of do it all in that sort of vein. It wasn't as much sports or anything like that. So for me, playing very much has the imaginative connotation. How about for you, though? I had a very similar experience as a child. I remember Star Wars action figures that I would play around with. And again, imagination was central there. And I anticipate as we record this episode that a number of people might glance over it as something that's not important. But I think we have the potential in this discussion to reveal or attempt to reveal a lot about our relationship to playing as we get older and what that says about what we find important. I also remember as a kid making up stories and reasons and scenarios for why I was playing with things if I didn't have toys. And that's something I find miraculous and marvelous in the child philosophy, that most children will find something fun to do with whatever you give them. You could give a child a stick and a piece of gum, and they would figure out something brilliant, even if it wasn't something flashy or impressive to those around them. Children in playing, to me, are especially impressive because they don't care what other people think. They're confident in how they play. And I think that's a brilliant aspect about playing or doing anything that you enjoy, that on some level, it brings you inherent pleasure. So why do you need to define it for other people? And increasingly, as we grow up and are socialized, one benefit is that we do understand other people better. But to a degree, we lose a bit of touch with what we feel and what makes us confident because other people tell us how to act. And often that involves us playing less. Yeah, I honestly think playing imaginatively really helps a person get a sense of themselves and really feel grounded in a way, you know, because it's without a doubt a valuable thing, you know, to be imaginative. Like for me personally, when I remember when I was a kid, I would be really into Lord of the Rings, like the Lord of the Rings movies. But when I would play, I would take that world that inspired me and really take it to my own whole new dimension, you know, where it's based on, you know, Lord of the Rings and, and everything that is like, you know, the swords and all that fantasy stuff that was really intriguing to me, but also building off that and kind of just making my own story. Right. And with children being very sponge-like and how they absorb everything around them, both in emotion and in information, kids are great at building on things. And I think kids make amazing actors for that reason, that they can put themselves in a role or in the case of a player as an imaginary child, children such as yourself and various others are so great at finding new contexts for the worlds that they've seen on screen or on book pages and bringing that to a new place, which I find really impressive. And I feel like, again, connecting it to adulthood as we get older, we're taught that you aren't supposed to make up those stories for yourself, but for the most part, those stories will be given to you. We watch TV that entertains us, movies that entertain us, and I don't think the creativity that comes with play is emphasized as much as we get older. I absolutely agree, honestly. 
And earlier you were talking about socialization and kind of how it might change the way we play in this imaginative, creative way, you know, that you're not sort of embarrassed or hindered, you know, in any way. What point in being socialized do you think that this begins to be stigmatized? Is it peers or is it adults or, or you, know, you think it's playing with other kids and seeing the way your peers react to the way you want to play? And, and if they have a negative reaction, you know, does that discourage you from, from how you usually like to do it? I love that question. I would personally say, and I will throw it back to you after I've answered, that adults are the primary source of that stigma because I think for other children, they have just as much context and experience as you do. And kids will often, as I'd said, absorb certain information. So you'll hear children swear when they don't know what it means or use certain words or phrases that they don't really understand. But it's only in the context of an adult who holds status and power over that child in a societal sense that a child who is playing will feel guilt or confusion or distress when being confronted about it. I think for other children, it's just a term or an idea that they hadn't heard before in the example of swearing or using a phrase that's new. And so I don't think children are the primary agents of socialization, so to speak, although granted there are children who are very obedient, have very close relationships to their parents or other authority figures, and act as proxies in a way. And if they see their parents maybe shutting down certain creativity, they too think, well, that's how I should act. And I find that to be saddening oftentimes because perhaps those parents were shut down as players when they were younger kids. And certain cycles emerge, which ultimately, in a very pessimistic view, inhibit creativity, again, through the process of playing. Right. And I definitely think Parenting is what makes peers' reactions to this kind of play sort of variable in that certain parents look down on being imaginative. In fact, I remember as a kid not necessarily noticing it from my friend's parents, but just noticing that they didn't know how to be imaginative and creative in the same way that I was so comfortable doing so. And I think a number of people see play as something that is frivolous because they only see the product of playtime as being laughter and excitement and joy, which are incredible things. But to the outside spectator, it looks like that's all that's being produced. And I would argue, as I'm sure there are psychological studies that might support this, that you're doing a lot of good for your brain in playing and finding new ways to think about things. And in the case of playing with peers, if there isn't stigma, you can often create a wonderful cooperative and collaborative atmosphere as you negotiate with others, okay, what's the world we're playing in and who are the characters, what's their goal, etc. And I think that in our culture, a number of parents and adults would respond by saying, well, if I don't stop my child from playing, they're never going to mature and learn what they have to do in the world to grow up. But I would respond by saying that at the essence of playing is being creative. And so if a child plays long enough, perhaps even into adolescence, and they're still playing in the same ways or using similar tactics in play, eventually, by the necessity of becoming an adult, I'm pretty sure that those kids, if they weren't inhibited in that creativity, would find a way to apply play to a job of sorts. I think we live in a world where there are so many interesting, unique, and honestly, at this point, unexplored opportunities to make a living for yourself. And every day I'm surprised by jobs that I hear that people have and I think that reaction comes from fear. And you say, well, I'm afraid my child won't be able to support themselves if they don't stop playing, which we see as immature, but I don't think it's entirely fair. 
and also that those adults who are stigmatizing play are the same people who perhaps tried it in adulthood and were shut down for it because as an adult, if you haven't quote unquote played in a while, then you have to reconnect with that part of your brain, that part of your being that knew how to do it. And personally, that's one of the things that I love about acting and improvising, even though I don't do it professionally, is that it does give me a chance to, on a semi-regular basis, be someone else and enjoy a different world. And one reason I really wanted to talk to you about this is because I think you also embody similar values of not caring too much what other people think and just enjoying aspects of your creativity. And of course, you're a musician, and I'll come back to that later as well. Yes, absolutely. Completely agree with that. And I think that kind of comes back around to what I was saying about it being undervalued, which is that I think certain people have this experience, maybe this negative experience with being shut down for for being imaginative or creative, and then thinking as they've gone on later in life, well, leaving that behind was what I had to do in order to be successful and become serious, become an adult. So it's a combination of maybe like the attitudes that they were exposed to towards playing imaginatively. But I also think that there is sort of this societal expectation like you said, like the perceived value of playing around, you know, is maybe not that high amongst many adults. You know, they think of it as a waste of time from things that are actually beneficial or what's going to help them on their path through school and onto college and whatever professional path. And so at what point, at what age do you think that we receive an amount of responsibilities that really makes it sort of inconvenient for a lot of people to find time to engage in this sort of playing? That's a great question. I would say that process happens somewhere in your teenage years, around 13, maybe 14, when you're in middle school or perhaps entering high school and you have, at least in our culture, more responsibilities in your family. You have to do your chores and perhaps you're starting to think about where you'd like to go to college or maybe at that early stage of life, what career you'd like to pursue. Homework and schoolwork and other responsibilities of being a young adult increase. And again, in our belief that play and adulthood are somehow opposing one another, we say, well, we're going to choose adulthood because everyone we know who is past a certain age is an adult and no longer a player. And obviously, we don't use the word player. We say child. But I think this idea of play, which perhaps we haven't concretely defined yet, is associated with childhood. I would say for me, it means bringing an imaginative personality or approach to any situation or dilemma in front of you. I think problems can be solved through play and that accomplishments and goals can also be made through the process of play, that it's simply an attitude towards something, not even necessarily a verb, as we might linguistically say it is. Absolutely. And I think I had a similar sort of attraction to the performing arts. I did a lot of theater throughout middle school and high school. And I think that's because in the years of my childhood leading up to maybe middle school, I found I had a hard time getting into activities that sort of made me feel really fulfilled. My parents were always encouraging me to do swimming and I I swam through high school and middle school. But the other sports that I tried, such as volleyball and basketball, I definitely enjoyed, but I always kind of felt like I didn't belong in a way. And I didn't feel completely fulfilled in the same way a lot of my peers, like some of my best friends, you know, they loved sports. And I found that I didn't succeed as well at those things. So I didn't end up enjoying myself. 
I would have much rather been spending my time just playing around, you know, with my brother or by myself or with my friends who had a similar attitude. And so I think when I found theater, I found that now that the expectation on me that I should be involving myself in structured activities as opposed to just playing around wherever at the house, you know, my parents were, I think a lot of people's parents, as you get 12 to 14 age, sort of put pressure on you to have structure and have things that you're doing, I think inevitably leading up to like a college resume kind of thing and what extracurriculars, quote unquote, you have. And so for me to find an activity involved with school like that, that gave me such fulfillment showed me that I think that because my theater department was a very creative environment where the directors really encouraged us. And there's a lot of collaboration between director and actor, and there's a lot of play and acting games, improv games. They gave us a lot of exposure to all that sort of stuff to just explore everything that there is to the craft. And I think from learning that there's value in that, I have the perspective of seeing how helpful it could be and applicable it could be to other areas of life. In all honesty, there are a number of things you said there that I really love and need to dig into further. First of which being that you're right, most parents will impose certain structure. And if I had to speculate as to why, it's likely because they were brought up with structure and it's so easy to parent as you were parented and to act and live in a way that you see others living. And for me, one aspect behind the idea of playing is self-confidence and the idea that, as we said earlier, you don't need to care that much about what other people think which is not licensed to hurt other people or make them uncomfortable, but forge your own path in both play, but also in the life that you lead. And I'm really glad that you brought up sports because I was thinking as you described your experience, how loosely the verb play as we've defined it fits into the sports that you described or arguably any sports because they do have structure and a limited set of rules. And every sport to an extent is going to be played the same way. There will be certain maneuvers or as they're called in sports plays that are impressive to the audience and the players and that stand out as great athletic or physical feats. However, I don't think that players in a sport are always pressed to be as creative as the imaginative players that you and I have loosely described, which is not to say that athletic players are not creative. I just think it's a different set of circumstances that they're working under. And when you bring up resumes, I also really appreciate that because similar to play as it relates to life, at the end of your life, I don't think you'll look back at the resume skills you built, at least not in a very superficial sense. And similarly, when I look back at my childhood, I don't think of the skills that I learned, but of the fun that I had playing. And I still think there are further examples of how play is actually a brilliant skill to maintain throughout your life. For example, one of my favorite comedians, John Oliver, who is very vocal about social issues and articulate about other political and societal topics to be explored, in many ways is a great player. He jokes around with the audience. And I think that in many ways, what appeals to us as viewers, as consumers, as people about comedy is that it has the capacity to take serious topics and aspects of our reality and make them into playful items to be joked about, discussed, and laughed about. And to me, it's a beautiful aspect about play that you can enjoy anything, really, as long as you approach it with that framework. And in shifting away from our discussion about childhood and play, I'm curious to know what elements of adulthood you think prevent us from being more comfortable with play if we have to now define it in very specific terms. I think there's a reason that playing is called childish by a lot of people. 
I think there's an attitude in general that that's something that should be reserved for younger people, as we've been saying, or for kids who are growing up and don't have as much responsibility and there isn't much expected of them. I think it is when things begin to be expected of you that there's sort of this shift in the attitude towards somebody doing that. So I think for, for me, I consider myself a person who stopped playing imaginatively relatively late. In fact, sometimes I still, in my head, maybe with not as great conviction, I will still, like, in my head imagine things. And I think that's because I exposed myself to that openness and that activity from a pretty young age. But I'm not sure what it is about adult life that seems to just not jive with this idea. And I think it is sort of a thing that we're conditioned to think, that playing imaginatively in this sort of way gets stigmatized. One thought I would put out there to perhaps explain why it is so uncomfortable or rare for adults to play is that there is a structure to being an adult, a perceived routine and a framework that we all have to fit into that does not always apply to play. When children play or when anyone does, they may come up with a story that won't have fixed beginnings, middles, or ends, and they'll simply go with it. And as we get older, I feel we think about the world as sets of boxes. Everything belongs in a certain category, and we can think of the world in these compartmentalized terms, but there isn't as much fluidity. Whereas earlier you mentioned seeing Lord of the Rings and bringing that into play, and you would come up with new scenarios or add yourself into that world because it didn't need to make sense. You wouldn't have to tell yourself that J.R.R. Tolkien had not come up with you as a character because you were playing And for adults, it's not only about how we're mentally conditioned, but that we don't come to remember the world as being this amorphous shape. It's very specific things. You are of this country, you are this very specific age, you have this job, and everything can be defined verbally in ways that I don't think children are as concerned with. So do you think that our ability to think of things not as rigidly sort of diminishes as we get older in a way, for a lot of people maybe? I think it might be different for everyone, honestly, because I think some people find that they continue to be imaginative and open-minded person and to think of the world in different ways from different perspectives on through their adulthood. But I think there are a lot of people that get more set in their beliefs. And I think that that does sort of contribute to being less imaginative and playful in that way. Right. What comes to mind for me is the educational system, because as you're educated, one, we're all taught the same things. We go to chemistry class and we are all taught what the elements are. And I'm not disagreeing with that. I don't think we shouldn't operate in that way. But the process of education, which for many of us is a stepping stone into adulthood, involves learning very rigid terms and very set ways of thinking about things. You will take history classes where history is a very linear path and you will all hear the same stories. Oftentimes certain stories are left out, but my point being that as children in school or young adults, we're all given the same history within a given nation or at least a certain educational system. Similarly, we're all taught the same mathematics, we're all taught the same sciences, and I'm not against education, but the more information you are given and the less you seek information, I do think in a certain mental capacity way of looking at things, the space for imagination changes. I don't know that I would argue that people have less imagination because if anything, you could argue you're being given more building blocks, but I think the context of the information that we get in school is often not a playful one. 
So we come to associate new information, not with play, but with success or getting a job or attaining future knowledge. And I think that's one reason that we play less and less because people around us aren't playing as much. And as we've said, socialization plays a big role. Definitely. I think there's this sense of also it's not as practical to be playing as much because as you get older and you do inevitably have more responsibility, it's not as convenient to be thinking outside of the world than the one where you do have these responsibilities. So as you said, a combination of other people of an adult age aren't playing as much and also that sort of it loses its practicality. Because as a kid, it's completely practical to play because you have a lot of free time and you're learning and it's just a time to soak things in and have that sort of elasticity to the way you look at the world. And as you get older, having a more rigid box-like way of thinking about the world might actually help you more. So I think it may sadly be a more natural progression towards that kind of mindset. And I appreciate that you're bringing that perspective because it's important to consider But I would respond by saying that there isn't a good reason in my mind why you can't be playing with a number of situations. Why can't a presentation you have to give for a job or a class be something fun that you have to be creative about? Why can't you challenge yourself to make a game out of what you need to accomplish? I think there are a number of people who might find that disrespectful or peculiar. But again, in the philosophy of playing, I think it's important to disregard the opinions of others from time to time and focus on how you feel and what you want, because that's essential in being happy, at least as far as I see it. And there are a number of situations that we make boring, mundane, sad, and all around bothersome as adults, I think because we just see other people reacting that way to those situations, and we make it something unpleasant. As an example, past childhood, rainfall becomes this very annoying thing. It'll get on your clothes and ruin things, but children love playing in puddles and have no qualms about getting wet and messing around in the rain. And biologically, chemically, nothing changes about our relationship to water falling from the sky. It's just our perspective of the things that are important or what we think our appearance might look like. And again, all of this is culturally constructed. But what do you think about the idea of applying play to adult situations that we often find mundane? I think that inevitably everybody's different. Everybody thinks differently. And as you said earlier, how we haven't sort of clearly and concretely defined play I think not everybody has the ability or luxury to always be in that mindset or be a little more creative and apply that kind of mindset to their job or whatever it is. Because people like you and I who engage in the activities that we do, I think we gravitate towards those things because we have an attraction to that sort of thinking and that sort of mindset. And I think for other people, I don't think it's as easy to go there. It's not the first thing they would think of when they're in their job. And there are rules and parameters. And it says something that has your job on the line. You know, you don't want to get too creative and mess up the presentation or whatever it is that you have to do. And also, it, it feels so funny me talking about like the idea of being in sort of a corporate job type of atmosphere. And I think that's why, for me, it seems like it just can't be the same for everybody. Because for me, being in that mindset, living in that mindset, I can't imagine exactly existing anywhere but in a creative imaginative mindset you know with what i like to do making music and writing music it's all very creative and i really appreciate your open-minded perspective there because it is important to think about the differences inherent to other people and if not inherent differences then perhaps societally imposed differences and i absolutely respect that as a final question to you i've often thought that 
certain creative types, often celebrities in our societies, such as actors and musicians, are revered and loved, not necessarily for their craft, but what their craft represents. I think in many ways you could define an actor as someone who gets to play pretend for a living. And similarly, a musician isn't necessarily pretending, but they're creating. And there is that creative aspect to play that we've been pointing out. Do you think there are reasons related to playing that explain our reverence and deep admiration in our society for actors, musicians, and other people in similar professions? Wow. I think that's an awesome way of thinking of it because it's always been a sort of strange thing that people who are in music or Hollywood acting, you know, whatever it is, television, movies, it seems like they're held above everyone in a way. You know, the salaries they have are pretty ridiculous compared to, you know, somebody who works an average job that doesn't seem quite as impressive or whatever it is. And I think you might be onto something with that. I think that we all do have this sort of inner child in us that does sort of love that playful, imaginative way of being. And I think experiencing art and experiencing expression and watching people like actors expressing themselves in that way really brings people warm feelings of maybe their childhood or of maybe, I think people envy it in a way. Because like I said before, I don't think that everybody can do that. That's one way in which I think our society does sort of promote and validate creativity in that those fields are held to such a high standard. And before we close this episode, what are some things you would like the audience to consider after listening to this discussion we've had? I think the main takeaway for me is that creativity and being imaginative sort of encourages this sense of being open and this sense of looking at things from different perspectives in that sort of elasticity that we're talking about how kids play. As we've been saying, it can be applied to many different parts of your life. And so those values of being open if that can be taken away from from this kind of thing, it's good to be in touch with those parts of yourself. I agree. I'd be really curious to hear from listeners both internationally and of various ages what your relationship to this topic and conversation are. Because as you pointed out, Evan, of course, everyone is different. And so even perspectives on a conversation of this nature will differ. And I'd really love to hear what people's thoughts are, as always. And finally, I would again encourage people listening to see if they can apply a playful attitude or perspective to certain problems and dilemmas in their life. And I absolutely respect what you were saying, Evan, that perhaps everyone can't do it. And some people have lost touch with that or never had that relationship to playing, which I absolutely get. But I'd like to see more of it in our society. And I don't think it's impossible. And I'd like to thank you for coming on. It was really great to discuss this with you. Thanks a lot, Kip. I enjoyed myself as well. But of course, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. So if you have any thoughts, comments, opinions, or feedback of any kind, please feel free to reach out to us. You can connect with us on Twitter or on Facebook, where if you like our page, you'll receive weekly updates when we post new episodes. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to and reviewing the show as well as sharing it with someone you think might also enjoy and get something out of it. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.